And welcome to this week's episode of the Reigning 3 NBA podcast. My name's Luke Murray. We have Jesse Bastian and Paul Dunn. How are you doing, guys? Fantastic. I'm doing really well today. Yeah, I'll smile over here as well. Yeah, good weekend. We're recording this on Sunday evening, and what a week in basketball it's been. Christmas came early, boys. Christmas came early. Christmas came early. We've got a little preview of uh, what we're going to be watching while we digest all that turkey with the uh, Warriors' sons having a bit little twosome. Well, first, let's start talking about the Memphis Grizzlies this week. I think they must have thought that it was the NBA at 73 anniversary <laughs> because that's how much they beat their opponent, the Oklahoma City Thunder by. They beat the shit out of them. Maybe they, maybe they <laughs> thought it was Christmas as well and they were getting an early present by just being able to put up a ton of points and have a laugh. Unfathomable. You know, the NBA's been around 75 years and it's not every week that you get to set an all-time NBA record, but that's what this game was. The largest margin of victory in 75 years of NBA games. A shit-kicking. I think it was a, like a record in all major sports, was it not? I'm I'm not sure how they measure it across all the sports, but uh, you know it was absurd. It was and a beatdown, and I think it also, I think the conversation that's come out of it, and the thing that's been on my mind is the issue of tanking, mm. because while the Memphis Grizzlies are not an exceptional team, the Oklahoma City Thunder has been from the off a team that everyone knows is tanking. They're accumulating draft picks and assets, well, and they're going to be terrible this year. I didn't even know they had players. I just thought they had draft picks. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Put a bunch of picks on the court. And the second-round pick wearing number 13. Yeah, But they were missing all of their latest draft picks. Uh, Giddy was out. Shea was out. Yep. Yeah, but John Morant wasn't playing for Memphis. So, I mean, they were missing their best player yeah, as they well. They put out a bunch of scrubs, too, for the most part. Yeah. You know, it was absurd. When I look at the starting lineup for the Thunder – a bunch of guys who are somewhere between 21 and 22, one 24-year-old, a bunch of kids with very little experience. And the bench looked very similar. They got a couple of G League guys on the bench. I mean, Mike Muscala might be the most experienced guy on there. This was a recipe for a kicking at some point. And this is, this is what happened. And it was an embarrassment for the league. And it was, a, and it was an indictment of the culture of the league, which makes some teams think it's okay to tank. Right. I mean, and the product is terrible. They let their fans down. Their fans are just up for a whole season of disappointment like this. And how is that right? Now, Paul, do you think that this is because of the high-scoring games of late? Like, I'm looking at 73 points as a difference. Back in the 90s and early 2000s, that's a good playoff score. Remember when the Pistons were playing the Lakers all that year? Even before then, 73 points to score in a game, let alone beating a team by 73. Well, I mean... This has not been an exceptionally high-scoring year. I mean, if you look at the scores of some of the games, earlier today we had a 109-108. You know, right. we had, I mean, right now we've got Charlotte-Atlanta. They're having a relatively high-scoring game in the 120s. You know, Charlotte's team, averaging 114. And they're, they're, they're relatively high-scoring teams. Yep. Uh, but I think this is really down to the culture of the NBA over the past several years, which some ownership groups think that it's okay to tank and play that gamble on the draft lottery that you're going to get some high picks. And that will be the salvation that that will turn you your franchise your around. Set yeah. you up for future. But, you know, and the only people that come out of this hurt are the fans because they have a terrible product. And, you know, the the ownership don't care. I mean, the players are hurt as well because they are in a terrible environment that yeah. has to be corrosive and negative. Yeah. You know, the ownership doesn't care because they still get that TV money. They still get all that other revenue streams. They're right. not losing any money. And I just don't know, don't know, think that it's good for the NBA to allow this to happen. You got a solution for me, Diddy? I have a couple of ideas. 
I got a couple ideas. With the first pick in the 2006 NBA draft, the Toronto Raptors select Andrea Bargnani. With the first pick in the 2017 NBA draft, the Philadelphia 76ers select Markel Fultz from the University of Washington. With the first pick in the 2013 NBA draft, the Cleveland Cavaliers select Anthony Bennett Whoa! of Toronto, Canada. And with the first pick in the 2007 NBA draft, the Portland Trailblazers select Greg Oden from Ohio State University. We got a bunch of winners right there. A bunch of winners. And those are number one overall picks. Those are the reason that these teams have been tanking over the years, is to get those picks. Anthony Bennett, man. Damn. I mean, some of them is bad. Some are bad luck. Greg Oden with with physical issues. You know. Although Candy was another one there, too. Never played basketball. And this is why people are tanking. You know, I mean, my thought process as I went through this is that I couldn't think of examples of teams that have actually tanked for success. So I kind of feel like this entire thing is a lie. And it's just something that teams are being are putting over on their fans and the rest of the league by saying, oh, we're building for the future. I'm trying to sell hope. They're 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 selling hope because they can't sell competence. You know, so if you look at the teams that have got a lot of high picks over the years, Sacramento's had a ton of good picks. They're not a quality franchise or a winning franchise. Orlando's had a ton of high picks, you know, other than hitting the the, the big jackpot with Shaq. Sure. They haven't been a, a quality franchise oh. over the years. What uh, about Philadelphia? Philadelphia, but have they won anything? That's a long process. It's, the, they, <laughs> it's still going. <laughs> yeah. Have they won anything? Have they moved into that next echelon of, of winners? Almost. Yeah. I mean, Kawhi. Kawhi I mean, had something to say about that. They're yeah. close. But, I mean, I you just don't see this. I mean, on the other hand, when you look at teams that are successful and have a track record, say, over the last 10 years of success, they're teams that never draft high. You know, they're Miami. They're Golden State. Mm-hmm. They're the Lakers. They're teams that are quite consistently good. And they, they build their franchise around the idea of winning. So I think that the NBA needs to address this because tanking is a lie. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at the even look at the Lakers though. I mean, they had dra- high draft picks those seasons. They're out of the league. Where are all those players now? Yeah, they're not on the Lakers. And then if you look at the top guys in the league, they are guys who a bunch of them weren't drafted high. I mean, Giannis was taken fifteen. Nikola Jokic was a second rounder. Kawhi yeah. was taken at fifteen. Steph was taken seven. Wasn't Johnny Flynn taken a step one ahead of him yeah. or something yeah. like that? Bad. You know, so you can have all the draft picks in the world, but if you don't have the the sense to draft the right guys and develop them, it doesn't make a damn different all, difference. Yeah, the scouting. We never talk about scouting here. There's not a there's not an award for scout of the year. Sure. No. Like I think it's a big part of it that we you brought up Johnny Flynn and Steph. They could have got Steph Curry and Demar Derozan that yeah. year. I was gonna say, look at the Warriors. Look at the Raptors. We yeah. gotta talk about scouting. I mean, yeah. these guys go to the ends of the earth to find players. Sure. I mean, Pascal Siakam was taking the twenties. OG Anunoby was taking the twenties. Fred Van Vliet Van wasn't Vliet. drafted. Yeah. You know, so it is more about your organizational intelligence, your drafting your ability to to develop a system and mm-hmm. develop your players. And that's something tanking is absolutely contrary to. And let's talk a little bit about the team that's had the number one, the most number one draft picks, which is the Cleveland Cavaliers. And like, like Brad Doherty, LeBron mm-hmm. James, yep. Kyrie Irving, Kyrie. but also Bennett and Wiggins. I mean, and so if you, you get look, hits with the misses, it comes down to luck a little bit as well, if, because they might be a good basketball player, but do they have the character? Right. 
And it's also creating a winning culture. I mean, LeBron was uh, a generational player. He was the culture. He was the culture. But he didn't win anything in Cleveland, and he had to go to Miami and hang around with the likes of Pat Riley and learn what winning culture looked like before he could come back and deliver a title. I mean, he carried that team to the to the Eastern Conference Finals, and and damn near got. Well, he did get in. He did. He got he to got, the finals. Got to the finals, but well, they got swept. They got swept by the, by, by the, the Spurs. San Antonio Spurs, who have an organization, a winning culture. That's right. You know, so I think that the that, that, that to allow tanking to continue does an enormous disservice to the league because it's functionally a lie. Sure. So I have so a how couple. Do we, of I was going to say, how do we fix it? Well, the first thing you have to understand that the draft isn't about restoring competitive parity. It's not about make, helping bad teams get better. The whole notion of a draft is about having cost control over young players and having the ability to control their contract for several years. Okay. That's what the owners want, right? Yep. They want all these young guys coming in, maximum amount of money. We've got them locked in. So understanding that the owners are never going to give that up. My idea is to go... I'm getting ready. Is to go away from the from the the idea of a weighted draft lottery and give every single team that doesn't make the playoffs the same chance of getting the number one pick. Just draw them all out randomly, and that way there's no incentive to lose. So wait, you, so no more balls in the no more balls. Okay, just 14 envelopes. Every single even team. Lonzo, he's playing so well this year. <laughs> uh, all the balls are playing well. We could just do envelopes, no balls. If you don't like balls. Okay, so wait. So let me get this straight. So the bottom teams in the league who don't make the playoffs. Every one of them has exactly the same chance of getting the number one pick. It goes into a bag and they just pull out randomly. Yeah. So what happens then is that you're, there's no incentive to lose games. There's, your incentive is always to try and do the best for your fans, best for your players, best for your organization. And if you don't make the playoffs, it does, you'll still have a chance of getting a high overall pick. Interesting. Because that way you can play right up until the end. For example, if you look at Houston, what's the reason not to play John Wall if, if losing isn't going to give you an advantage in the draft. Right. Your incentive then is play John Wall, win some games, keep fans happy, develop your young players around your veterans, and, and if you don't make the playoffs, you're still in the mix. Well, the whole John Wall thing is ridiculous because if they want to get rid of him at any time anyway, they have to play him. If he sits on the shelf sure. for a year, you can't get rid of him. So they've committed to what, $80 million sitting there? Like that just doesn't $91 more. million. Dollars. Yeah, it doesn't even make sense. Like, a, like there's a lot to fix in the NBA. I, I don't disagree with you on this. And I also think that when you look at it, a 1 in 14 chance of getting the number one pick isn't good enough incentive to not try and make the playoffs. If you're a game out of the playoffs, mm. then you will push to be in the playoffs because that is worth so much organizationally that the 1 in 14 chance of getting a high overall pick, it's not worth the risk. Try and make the playoffs. So you're saying if my Lakers finish 11 this year. You could have a number one overall pick, my friend. <laughs> okay. Right. You think so they're going to finish that high? <laughs> but that's my idea. I just, th- I just think that the, the lie that, that we're being told about tanking is revealed by looking at the last 20 years of draft history and the history of these teams. So let's, let's get rid of any incentive to tank and encourage people to win. You, well, might be, you might be on to something here, big man. The draft didn't start off good. There was always conspiracies from the first one saying there was a frozen envelope. That's why Patrick Ewing got draft number one in the lottery. Like, there's... Oh, it's the same with Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland had the first overall pick, what, like three out of five years or yeah. something? Yeah. Something crazy like that. I mean, if we talk about other sports, why don't we talk about the conspiracy of the Edmonton Oilers and all their number one right. picks? And let's talk about whether or not that's helped them. The Blazers will be joining the Lakers and head home early this year. Be rested for 30 seconds in the second half. 30 seconds. And when you're a jump shooter, first thing to go is your legs. 
It needs to change. He needs to get the hell up out of Portland and has been validated yet again when they blew his 55-point performance and still lost. The Blazers are going to hire Chauncey Billups to be their new head coach. The negative reaction comes from a 1997 rape allegation against Billups when he was a rookie playing for the Boston Celtics. He says Billups was always general manager Neil O'Shea's guy. The Blazers announced today an independent firm will be investigating the team's president and general manager, Neil Olshay. The Blazers say the investigation centers around uh, concerns with the workplace environment, specifically among non-player employees. Questions now for Portland and what their leadership, leadership structure is going to look like going forward next year. Do you extend Dame Lillard at over $55 million on a Supermax into his 30s? I want us to compete harder compete harder. Do you think Chauncey Billups knew what he was walking into? It's hard to say, but I think he must have because this organization has been in flux for a little while. There have been questions about the roster for a while. Sure. There are questions about their, whether or not their best player wants to stay there. Player management. Player management. So this is it's a chaotic situation, but it's not, uh, not something that you couldn't see coming. It sucks. It sucks for an organization like Portland. It's a small market team. Mm -hmm. They've gotten close to getting over the hump, but then, you know, with Dame and McCollum there, they can't bring in another player. No, I mean, their their roster structure doesn't work, you know, and I think that this actually started months ago, you know, with the firing of Stotts, who was Stotts. In, incredibly well-respected around the league, really well-liked. He'd actually built the system around the roster he had, not the roster he wanted. Right. So, you know, at least it was working to that level. Uh, and then they fired Stotts. And then during the hiring process with Billups, questions came out because there were accusations of sexual assault that were still lingering, yeah. that weren't dealt with. And then they got the season started. Slow start, but, you know, there's, there's glimmers of hope. Yeah, and Dame, like, cancelled out all the trade talks. He said, yeah, he said I, I still want to be here. Yeah. yeah. But here's one thing. We just talked about, like, tanking. This is one team that's been teetering on that eighth to sixth spot who haven't tagged who they've kept on and this is where they've gotten to. Yeah, give them credit. Like they've exactly. hung in like, there. They should actually get the number one draft pick to hold it together <laughs> for eight years. For sure. You know, and there is a very difficult situation of being middle class in the NBA and not winning a championship, but by the same token, not being bad enough to be in the running for a number one pick. So, you know, I, maybe the one in 14 chance helps them because if they miss the playoffs in any capacity, they'll be in the running for a number one pick sure. and having even odds with someone team that ends up with 20 wins. So do we trade and who do we trade if you are the Portland Trailblazers? You trade well, McCollum. They started by trading their president because they fired his ass. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> so Very they true. started at the top. So, I mean, maybe eventually they'll work their way down. But, you know, and I think the chaos... At some point when they started their own internal investigation of Neil Oshie for bullying and workplace culture, you're like, oh, man, this is going sideways. And so now he's fired. Uh, they've got a, uh, a temporary VP in there who's running it. Yeah. But I think we're about to see some roster changes because it doesn't fit what Billups wants to do with the team. I mean, he's already called him out for being soft and for complaining. And the roster as it's built isn't the way Billups wants to play the game. As I just asked before, I thought you were going to get into some Raptors stuff there. You're going so far around the mm -hmm. question. Who do they trade? McCollum. McCollum? Yeah, it starts with McCollum. Yeah, I mean, you're not McCollum. trading Dame. No. Why not? Why not? Why He's not Dame? Start. If you're doing a full reset, They just spent the last Dame? two years uh, begging for him to stay in Portland. Now you're going to go and trade him? They'll get the best value for him. For McCollum, it's just going to be the same plus something else. If you, trade, if you want a full restart, which they're doing from the top up, Trade Dame. I also think the issue you have is that uh, 
is that Dame wanted Billups in there. Billups was his guy. Right. You know, so when you when you kind of go to that length to bring a coach in because your star wants that guy and then you trade the star, you're like, you, that is chaos. That is, that is going to set you back three years. Actually, it wasn't necessarily his guy because at first – uh, he wasn't they, down. He wasn't down. Well, yeah. he was on his way out. He yeah. thought, you know, and he was yeah. like, I don't know. And I think he brought that up as an issue as well. Is I don't, I don't want a new coach. Stotts was this guy. Mm-hmm. Stotts was this guy. He was upset about that. Billups came in. They had a conversation. They did what they did, and he explained to him about winning. Mm-hmm. And Billups knows what it takes to win, as we yeah. know. Obviously, I mean, he, you're right. Step back, but he got it. He he's on side with Billups. That's for sure. There you go. Yeah. You know, so I think it, that would send a bad message. And I think that, that the hardest thing to come by in this league are stars, and they've got one, and they have him under a control contract who loves the community. So try everything you can first before you get rid of that guy. Agreed. And I think it's a step in the right direction for Portland, as, as ugly as the situation is, getting O'Shea out of there. Little known fact, back in 2014, when the Clippers got Donald Sterling out of there, guess who was the GM? Neil O'Shea. Yeah. Neil O'Shea. So he knows a lot about poisonous situations. <laughs> I think he learned a thing or two from old Donald. <laughs> I, I just think if they change, if they trade McCullum, they're just going to be the same. Like, who are they going to get? The roster, like, it's not better than what it was a couple of years ago. Um, who they bring in? Larry Nance Jr. And that was a good acquisition. You guys were high on Powell. Yeah. I mean, I, I, here's the thing. I think that, again, we talk about intelligently constructed rosters. Well, between McCullum and... Powell and Dame, they have the same guy three different ways. Right. You know? Yeah. So, so trade the best one, get the most you can get back. And you still why have do you hate Dame that, so much? I don't. Oh, I have his jersey. He loves Dame. I That's love it. I, I have a Dame jersey, but yeah. I've never said this apart from now. Maybe that this is the highest value you have. The sure. highest value. It's all you have. But yeah. Yeah. think about the, what are you saying to your fans? What are you saying to, to Well, no, I'm saying this is Dame's highest trade value sure, right sure, now. Sure. If they don't win and continue, if they don't make the playoffs, like it goes down. I think his highest trade value was in the offseason. Mm-hmm. It's down already. Yeah. yeah. He's not shooting all the same. He's had a bad start way. to the season. Yeah. It's, uh, that, I don't want to say that ship has sailed, but you're not getting what you were getting in the summer for Dame Lillard. So who we, let's talk Lillard first. Who are you going to get? Who's available? Who can we trade? Well, Ben Simmons, ben I Simmons. think, is the number one. Ben guy. Simmons is the number obvious And while I'm looking at that too, you get Maxi probably in a deal like that. Maxi's actually come a long yeah. way this season. Maybe even swindle. Yeah, a, you swindle speaking of the Curry. Raptors, I'm mad that they didn't get Maxi in the Hanalari deal. <laughs> Thirty bloody seconds I'm after talking. I said he's into it. <laughs> Maybe uh, it's tough. I think that's a Maury's out of his off his rocker. He's asking for the world. Uh, uh, it's but, crazy. But Dame is a guy he would want. Yeah. So maybe he'd, he'd be willing to give up a little. I think it's a little more than Maxi at that point. Maybe maybe Seth Curry goes back there as well. Yeah. And but then again, like we just talked about having Powell and McCullum. Do you need Maxi clogging that as well? Mm-hmm. And yeah. Simmons and yeah. Nance and Simmons sort of would play that same Duncan spot. They need a big man. That's, yeah, that's the problem. Nurkic, what's going on with him? Uh, he's not the same player since he came back from that. I mean, they got a catastrophic injury. He could be another year. He was before never he an awesome player. He was, he was almost. He was a good player. A great player. And he's yeah. still a good player. He's a serviceable big man, which is rare, particularly in the Western Conference. So. Mm-hmm. They need, about, they need the about ball four, well. I mean, they need about a, four or five more. <laughs> yeah. They need some size. They're too small. Yeah. Well, that's the Blazers, hey? Who knows? I think we'll be talking about them a little more as the season goes on. And now. And now. And now. And now. And now.
Ooh, another big week for injuries and COVID around the league. As we talked about Dame, he's about out for about 10 days with an abdominal strain. Probably about five more days. Probably about five more days now. We've got Bam Adebayo out four to six weeks of the torn ligament in his right thumb, and that's impacting Miami's play already because he's already. Their, their only big man they've got. Yeah, it's not helping. Uh, and as we mentioned, we kind of speculated on Brooke Lopez's long-term health when we were talking about Boogie last week, and lo and behold, man had back in, had a back injury and back surgery. Mm-hmm. And he's out indefinitely. Uh now, this was happened before the 73-point loss, not during it, but Shea Gilgis-Alexander is out with under concussion protocol. So for is there such a thing as a double concussion? I think, yeah. <laughs> there actually is such a thing as a double concussion. Uh, he's got concussed it. They're probably, concussed. They're he's, probably checking him for it He's now. got it. I think Della Vadova had a couple of them, eh? That's why he had to retire. <laughs> concussion on concussion. What's so, going on with Zion? Zion. Zion's huge. There's a lot going on. There's <laughs> well, we a know lot he's huge. We know he's huge. He's <laughs> off the couch, though. He's off the couch, but uh, now he's got foot soreness. And I guess being 350 pounds will do that every yeah. once in a while. <laughs> yeah. uh, is he coming back? He was do a, you see him coming back this a, season? It's a bit of a cat and mouse game here. Right? They keep saying, oh, maybe, maybe Yeah, they just keep, keep putting it off. I mean, he was supposed to make the season opener, and we're 20 games in, and he's still got We're in December. Yeah. We're in December. Now, Jesse, I remember telling you this a couple of weeks ago. I said, Zion is not going to play 200 games. Career, you said. For his career, Dude, yeah. The man's 21 years old. And 350 pounds. And Christmas is coming. Yeah. <laughs> Turkey. I'm still taking I the might, over. I would take the over, but I wouldn't go high on the over. <laughs> I would, I'm smashing like, the over like he's smashing I might, Turkey I might, on I might Christmas. go 300. We just, went, like weight. We, we just went back and talked about the number one draft picks that didn't make it. Yeah. Greg Oden was on there. He had all the tools to be a wonderful big man. Yeah. But injuries took him down. And it, w- it was sad. I hope I really hope that doesn't happen to Zion, but there is a chance. Yeah, absolutely a chance. I mean, yeah. it's being talked about all over the place. And uh, a not injury, but certainly something that's affecting the team is that uh, there's a couple of Hornets in uh, in COVID protocol route right yeah. now. We Lamello. got uh, Lamelo and Scary Terry, and they're both out probably up for ten, uh, up to ten days. No big know. deal. Just their backcourt. Just their whole backcourt. So is there a regular ten days and a LeBron ten days? Because I swear to God, he sounded like six. Essentially, it's it's how quickly you you can give up a uh, a negative test. Well, it was a false positive. False positive. Essentially, he had. So that's why it was so. So quick. a false positive. Is there any way that the team can get money back for that or some wins? Like they won without him, didn't they? Yeah, they won. They without beat him. Sacramento. Yeah, yeah. So we're good. All right, we won't bring we'll, that up there. Want to know? Yeah, want to know without <laughs> LeBron? With COVID, LeBron. We had a couple of good games in the last week. We had MVP candidate, Player of the Month. Steph Curry and his Warriors visit the Phoenix Suns. Let's see how that went. Then here's a long three on its way and another air ball. That's his second. Curry, no, misses again. Goes small. Curry, no, and Johnson with a rebound. Curry takes a contact, no whistle. Tosano Anderson. Steph Curry missing that three. Curry goes all the way in, misses the bunny. Curry goes right by him this time. Yeah, this was probably the most anticipated game of the year. I mean, we thought it was the Nets against the Warriors last week. That turned out to be a dumper. Mm-hmm. Um, this this lived up to the hype. It was a great game. Ah, fantastic game, and it had a playoff atmosphere, which you don't expect in, 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 in December, December. Yeah. which is crazy. Yeah, you know? the most watched game this year. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, as it came in, there was one team on a, 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 a long winning streak. There was another team that only lost a couple of games all year. I think it was the hot, highest combined winning percentage of any matchup that they had at this scale. So, And also two teams, I think, that have the utmost respect for each other at this point, from coaching all the way down to their players. Um, two teams who are eerily similar, I think, mm-hmm. in, 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 in lineups. And uh, it was a shootout in the first half. 
Mm-hmm. It was, yeah. I mean, I thought that uh, Golden State was going to run away with this game. Yeah, 56-54 at halftime. There were moments they were kind of up nine and threatening to pull away, but uh, but the Suns, you know, I mean, it's having that, uh, having D-Book who went out, but uh, and also having Chris Paul, but there was that, the timely buckets kept them in the game. You know, when they needed a bucket, they found a way to get it. Well, we got to look at the Suns this way too. They put together, at the time, an 18-game winning streak with everything going in the background with Sava. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think they've held it together well. They've, the leadership. They've put that in the rear view. Because look at all the things they could, the negative things they could be concentrating on. They could be eight not getting his contract extension. Sure. Sava. None all of, of this. None of that's phasing him. Uh, no. No. No, that's a solid leadership. Franchise record. Some interesting takeaways from this game. The Warriors only went to the free throw line 13 times. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were 10 for 13, but that's a team that's generally aggressive in the low post, aggressive going to the paint. 13 free throws doesn't get it done. No, I mean, I think that uh, that the way... I think we got some early hints on the way that Phoenix is going to try and defend them. They put a ton of length on Steph. They weren't afraid to switch to eight any time they wanted. So they, they gave him a taste of their own medicine. Gave him a taste of their own medicine. You know, I think that one of the things that uh, the, the the that the Warriors try and do is they try and hunt those switches. And yep. Phoenix was like, okay, we'll yeah. we'll take a switch. And and you know, and uh, there's a couple times Aiton blocked Steph's shots. Steph's shot was kind of off consistently all night because he was either shooting over bridges. Kind of. He was 421. Yeah. yeah. That's three one of, of the worst. He shot 14 threes. He was 314. Yeah. He was off. He's had a bad week. He's had a bad week. Something's not there. And we know this is game one of two because they played again on Friday. You know Steph's not going to put two games together like that. Oh, hell no. no. Let's have a listen to what he said after the game. You know, credit to their, their length, their uh, multiple efforts. A lot of it was us just, you know, being early in the first half. We're rushing a lot of possessions, and you could call it unforced turnovers when there's you know, other options out there. We kind of just you know were throwing it around. Considering that you know it was close to the last five minutes, and we obviously didn't, didn't score a bucket down the stretch. But um, you know they're a really good team. They're have good chemistry. They're flying around. Um, we got to make adjustments to you know counter that and take care of the basketball. If you, Take eight of those, but you know, turnovers away and get shots up. Um, one, it'll help us offensively too. If it won't fuel their their transition because they have shooters everywhere in transition, and it's tough. A dejected Steph Curry after the game. It was like they lost game two of the Western Conference Finals. I mean, we're twenty five games into the season. They took this one seriously. They take this personally. They do. You know, I mean, I think that now that they can see the potential of of being in a, the, a championship team again, anyone that comes for their crown, anyone that comes for that ring. It's a chat. That's it's a that's a real serious matter. Right. Well, I read something this week that, that not everyone thinks Golden State has earned the record they have because they've played a bunch of cupcakes. You I play who's the on the, was. you play who's on the schedule. You know, I mean that's then nineteen wins. I mean that's no slouch. And speaking of that's no a slouch, quarter of the season. That's right. You know, and to, and to be nineteen and two and to lead the league in defense and have the, the offense that they do. I mean, it's it's discredited. On the other side, you were you and I were talking about this on the way in, Diddy. This eighteen game winning streak that Phoenix is on. Is this potentially like the most disrespected 18-game winning streak? Like people are still not counting Phoenix as the best team. In the I think the timing with Golden State being that good and having so many other competing narratives, you know, whether it's the whether it's Brooklyn and you know, there's a bunch of other stories. I think that they they quietly racked up like eight or ten wins before anyone before even knew there's a streak. It. Yeah, you fair. know, just because everyone was had their eyes on the prize, yeah. looking at it, looking the other way. So when all of a sudden you're into double digits by anyone's standard, that's a great 
accomplishment in the NBA. And then you start looking at the schedule. You recognize they beat some pretty good teams. They went to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. They beat Brooklyn up. And then you look ahead to this week, and they got two big ones against the Warriors. And the first game certainly didn't disappoint. And I'll credit the Suns. Uh, D-Book left in the second half. He drove and came up limping. Yeah, a little ham- hamstring, hamstring tweak. They said a week, maybe. Uh, it seemed to spark a fire. DeAndre Ayton did what he did. Did, did what he always does. 24 points and 11 rebounds. Uh, Chris Paul, 15 and 11 and 6. They didn't panic. No, I mean, key contributions off the bench as well. I think that uh, the the one area when you look at Golden State where they could have a weak spot is is center because, you know, yeah, Kevon Looney is maybe six nine. no matter what they list him at, you know, and DeAndre Ayton is a true seven foot man with long arms and he hits everything from five foot in. And uh, and when they switch Green on him, I mean, Draymond Green is a hell of a post defender, but sure. but he couldn't really do much against Ayton. Ayton kind of did what he wanted. Also, Ayton's giving you thirty five a game, whereas mm-hmm. Kevon Looney's maybe good for fifteen to twenty. Yeah. And after Kavon Looney, it's like Bielitsa is trying to... Bielitsa Auto Porter Jr. Yeah. Like, it gets really small. So Booker stated that it was no loss November. How do you think their December's going to go leading up to their Christmas Day well, matchup? We, well, we know it's one loss November. We know it's December one loss so far. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think that typically that the teams have a little bit of a couple of losses coming off these winning streets. It's hard to maintain that focus. And I think that oftentimes you win past the point where you should have lost a game. And then there's a little bit of a letdown. But I think, again, we talk about the leadership group. And we talk about Chris Paul and Monty Williams and the guys that've gone on that team. I don't see a dip. Sure. It's, it, it, I, listen, the winning streak is impressive for us. I don't think it's like that in the locker room. They don't. This isn't a, it's it's in a the franchise back, record, it's in, it's in though. The, that one was yeah, a they, I, But it's I, in the back of your mind. These guys were in the finals last year. They don't give a shit about an 18-game win streak. They're trying to win the championship. So, yes, obviously, this pushes your, your organization in the right direction. But they're trying to stay whole, they're trying to stay healthy, and they're trying to get better every single game. Yeah, yeah. they're going through it together. Yeah, yeah. Some bright spots for the Warriors off the bench. Uh, Otto Porter Jr. had a, had a great game. He uh, 30 minutes, 4 for 8 from 3 for 16 points and 6 rebounds. That's the contribution that you need from guys. I mean, you need guys when Steph isn't playing the way the way we're used to seeing him play, step up and make, make shots. We talked about this being a bounce-back year for OPJ. He'd had a couple of down years, and he's playing on a league minimum or whatever sure. they're paying him. And he's he's still trying to get paid. He still feels like he's got another good contract, and he's been playing really well. He's been he's got a nasty streak that I've talked about. Uh, he's got some size, and he hits threes. I mean, he fits into that system really well. He yeah, he does. That's exactly what I was gonna say. They they've chosen players that come in, they fit well, they buy in. Yeah, and I mean, it's an easy organization to buy into. For sure, and I think that, that if they come to you and they say, here, they, when they come to you, they're like, this is how we fit what we're doing. Yeah. This is the role you'll play. It takes the pressure off you because you're coming in you know, with a set of knowns. That's right. If only these guys played again soon. For our second game of the week, on Friday, we had the Phoenix Suns at the Golden State oh, Warriors. Oh, shit. Again? 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 Fancy that. Unbelievable. <laughs> game Dream. two. Game two. This is back in, in the Bay. Yeah. And I think we knew it was going this way. Well, just for those who aren't in the know, this is how it went. Wiggins, you bet. The Suns' 18-game winning streak ends tonight in San Francisco at the hands of the 19-3 Golden State Warriors. Warriors weren't going to let them get slapped around at home. No. I mean, they took care of business. No D-book for the game. Mm-hmm. And I think the Warriors keyed on that. I think it was also that, uh, that the Suns were coming off at three games in four. They played the night before. Fatigue. Fatigue going in there. This felt, this felt preordained. This felt like it was coming. 
Uh, but give them credit, you know, Golden, the uh, Phoenix hung in for a long time. They did. 67, although it was 60, they were outscored 67 48 in mm-hmm. the second half. Well, so it was close in the first. I'm not going to say it. But. Game in two halves. Don't say it. <laughs> I thought you were going to say game in two halves. I begged, I begged him, y'all, not to say it. <laughs> I didn't but you say know it, what? Though. This one was. This was definitely. This one was. It's a game, a game, it was a game of four quarters. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to mix it good up. Good change up, Good change up. Bounce back game for Steph Curry. I mean, he didn't shoot the ball great, but he, he did enough to get it done. He, was, uh, he made six three-pointers. He was eight for 20 for 23 points. It was the bench that made the difference in this game for the Warriors. And you kind of saw how it works for these guys, that they can get contributions from everyone. And we've talked how their deep bench contributes. Yeah, guys next, like... Next man up. Juan Scotto Anderson. Yeah, and Peyton. Huge game. Huge 17, game. 17 points in 26 minutes with five you know, rebounds. So there's no, there's no passengers there. No. Young love. The young love, man. Yeah. He continues to impress. For you guys that don't know, so he's on a... He's not on a two-way. He's on a non-guaranteed contract mm-hmm. right now. So January 10th is the day that, that these these contracts get guaranteed. I'm asking you, do you think he's, oh, he's a more? max? He's a if, max player. He's a max. <laughs> someone to give him. He's a max, max minimum. No, no a, I mean, if we, we kind of think he's come from nowhere, but he's banged around the G League for a while. Yeah. He's, he's 29 just, years old. Yeah. This is his fifth NBA team, yeah. albeit I don't think he's he's spent a whole season with these teams. No. no. But he's found a home in Golden State. And it's, you know, it's tribute on a bunch of levels. I mean, he's stuck to developing his game. And then certainly, you know, we hate to keep blowing smoke the Warriors way but they've done a great job of positioning him for success that's right because he could have been gone to a bunch of other teams and not had this kind of uh, impact and with him it starts with defense Mm -hmm. and and speaking of defense uh the Phoenix Suns were held to 96 points which is a season low for them and a testament to to Golden State's defense well uh, why I love him with Golden State is he can just come in and Steph has gotten a lot better um, at defense this year, I know uh, there was a. I think the Warriors have gotten better at hiding him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, nah, he's put on a bit of weight. He actually he tries no, he really hard. He he's has. gotten a lot better. If you look at Steph five years ago to Steph sure. now, co- totally different player. Yeah. Um, but like Gary Payton can slot in there. I seen him last night against the Spurs. He can slot in against Jadonte Murray or someone like that. Just yeah. go. He's so athletic, so defensive minded. Gary Payton Jr. Like. Any team would want him. And he defends up in size. I mean, he's not a oh, big yeah. guy. He's maybe 6'2", but he'll defend wings. He'll defend 6'7 guys and, and do a, a, a creditable job of him. So when you get Clay back, like at least that gives Clay a little bit of time to concentrate on the offensive side sure. if they have Peyton. You yeah. know what I mean? Just, I just It scares me how deep this team's going to get. <laughs> you know, after those two games, I mean, for sure D-Book was out, but I think that Phoenix needs one more move because when... You're Golden's- thinking a big man. I'm thinking a big wing. I think when I look at the, some of the size that Golden State has, so so Phoenix it has a cut, some great size, some seven footers. Yep. They got great guards, but behind, beyond uh, like Mc, a four, beyond Mikel Bridges, yeah. they yeah. don't have a, a ton of long wings. Give me campaign. a guy. Give me a guy you have in mind. Like if he could just go there. What's wrong with Jay Crowder, what kind man? Of What's that? Jay he's, Crowder. He knows how to salsa. He's good to he's, go. He's, he's six, six five. I'm taller than he's he tiny. is. Man. <laughs> he's tiny. So who do you think? Like if, if give me an example of a player. Uh, like an Evan Mobley or, or no 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 smaller than that thinking like six at six seven six eight kind of guy I mean I'm thinking like their ideal guy would be like an bring OGN back the Matrix OB. yeah Matrix you know <laughs> exhume and blow the dust off I meant guys that are alive yeah. <laughs> so I mean I think when you look at long wings I mean uh, I know who's out there I mean it's it's all about who's out there but I think that you know the, the so bit, do you want some scoring? You're talking three and D. What are you talking? I think it's a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. I just I just think they need to be able to have a lineup where they where they're big across the front line. Sure. And maybe you end up playing. You know, I mean, D books six five, but you you kind of need to be able to go to like six seven six eight right and have it across the front line that wing support. No, I feel yeah, you. big I big agree. wings run this league, man. Maybe like a Draymond Green. 
Maybe not a Draymond Green. No? I don't know, man. Had a game. I did the, have a the game. The deadly 9-9-9. Nine, nine, nine. Yeah. Oh, the single, triple single? The, the triple single. ultimate triple single, I think that <laughs> He also is. had six steals and three blocks. Like He, he was a man possessed man, on defense. He, defense player of the year? I'm fucking with y'all. <laughs> All-star. <laughs> anyway, let's have a listen to what Monty said after the game. What did you feel like? I mean, we saw when it got out of hand. What did you feel like led to when it got out of hand? Well, I thought they did a good job of, you know, speeding us up. Um, we did that to them the other day. So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's part of um, the chess match. And I thought when we got to the paint and found guys, it was phenomenal um, in the second quarter. But that was the only quarter that we did it consistently. We ended up winning that quarter. I thought our third quarter was not our kind of basketball. Um, that happens on a back-to-back with, with travel and all that and a tough game last night. But I I thought they did an unreal job of um, speeding us up. And well, and the best thing is round three is coming on Christmas Day. So Christmas, get your popcorn ready. Popcorn's I've ready. I've canceled everything that day it's just the, to watch the game. It's a 2 p.m. So. start, so put it in your calendar and make sure you're watching. Predictions? Who do you got? Golden State. Uh, I'll go the other way. I'll go Phoenix, man. Just to be difficult. Just to be di- ju- just to be Kyrie on you. Honestly, I, I like to keep that stuff private. Man. You can see him coming a mile away, and when he gets here, he's rain down on you. We have our Rain Men of the Week. These are our top performers. Jesse, who is your Rain Man of the Week? I got to go to the East. A uh, young guy out of Cleveland who's been balling out since returning from injury, Evan Mobley. Oh, nice pass by Mobley to the open Kevin Love. And there's Mobley with the block shot. Here's Evan Mobley, a corner three, bottoms up. He's done everything but scored in Mobley splashes one in over. Here comes Mobley showing his deft touch. Mobley in the paint, tangled up, scores. He really has done everything for this team since being drafted third overall this season. Uh, kind of like a Swiss Army knife. I mean, it's the offense is, is coming along as he adjusts to the NBA game, but it's his defense that's been super impressive to me, along with the 12.8 a game, scoring 8.5 rebounds. He gets three assists and three and a half blocks a game, which I think, in a as a first season player, is 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 he's overachieving for mm-hmm. this team and a clear cut rookie of the year candidate. I mean, coming in, I think that defense was probably where people questioned him. They wonder where he had the footwork to to switch out and stay in front of smaller guys, sure faster guys. Uh, they wonder whether he had the strength to hold on to bigger guys, uh, and also kind of the intelligence to like pick up schemes because NBA different D's run so much differently than college. He's got it all. Isn't this a pleasant surprise for Cleveland? I think you know, coming into the start of the season, they thought they'd be hovering outside of a playoff spot. Here they are in sixth place, thirteen <laughs> and ten overall. Shit kicking teams. Garland is balling out. They're Kevin full. Love is and alive. I, I think I heard Kevin Love's name in there. Yeah, yeah. Speak, I mean, speaking of like coming back from the dead, a four and zero record since he's been back from injury, and like I said earlier, they're 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 beating up teams. They played at home against Orlando. They won by thirteen points, and then they went on the road, beat Dallas by eighteen, went to Miami, shit kicked Miami by twenty six, and then they went to Washington, won by fifteen. Like those are impressive wins for this team. 
I mean, it's interesting because we talk about building teams the right way. Yeah. And they went out and they got Ricky Rubio to have a veteran voice yeah. in there. You know, they went out and uh, the Jared Allen was a smart pickup. What, great know, pickup. Great I mean, pickup. Yeah. When, I, I was what, tinkering between fire him. Sale, yeah. And fire Kevin sale. Love is a great fit there now that he's alive again. Now that he's yeah. back. <laughs> and also, you know, another, they kind of, it's almost like distressed assets. They went to Chicago and got Laurie Markkinen because he didn't fit there anymore. And Jared Allen, a guy that didn't fit there. So they've taken guys and for sure you had some lottery luck. You got FM Mobley in there. You got a number three pick. Isaac Okoro as well. But Isaac Okoro, but they've built it really intelligently. And that, it's probably the only team in the league that can run an all seven footer front line that actually makes basketball sense. That you works. know, with Markin at yeah. three, you know, Mobley at four and Allen at five and yeah. guys that can switch. I mean, this is going to be a really good team for a few years. And guess what? Their defense is second in the league currently. Yeah. Like they got a couple of twin towers. Good luck getting a shot off in the paint there. I've watched a few Cleveland Cavaliers game. They're real. Yeah, and as you said, like like those questions about his footwork and that, but that's on point, both offensively and defensively. His frame, he's he's a bit slim, but he it hasn't slim. been a problem at all because he's smart. No, exactly, and he stretches the floor. I mean, he steps back, he can hit a three point shot. He's serviceable at yeah. the wing as well. Yeah, I mean, his uh, his fifteen foot jumpers around the free throw line are really smooth. He's got all kinds of pieces to his game. He's, Sky's the limit for yeah. Adam Mobley. Yeah, what a good week. Well, for my Rain Man of the Week, I'm going DeJounte Murray. Returns to DeJounte as he spins inside, puts it up and in. Hurdle finds DeJounte, corner three. Got it! DeJounte hits the strings. Back up 11, Murray will get the steal here, though. DeJounte Murray gets loose for three. Got it! DeJounte rattles yet another one home. That's 10 made three-pointers tonight for the Spurs. Five inches, DeJounte for three, hits the strings! DeJounte Murray restores the lead to 18. I like watching him. He's all over the place. Great defensively. He's long. He gets to where he needs to be. He's been well coached by Pop. Last night, watching him against the Warriors, like just brought it to Steph uh, on defense. It was it was fantastic. Yeah, he dropped 23 on the Warriors last night. I think that was a little bit of a hangover for Golden State. They had back-to-backs. Yeah. Yeah. And I think emotionally, the you know they took their week seriously against the Suns, so it's mm-hmm. you kind of felt that there'd be a little bit of a of an emotional down. And it's just you know when a move works for both teams, and like we saw DeRozan, he's gone to the Bulls, yeah. which opens up more playing time for these young guys in San Antonio. It just it's a win win. I think Dejounte Murray took a lot from Demar Derozan from mm-hmm. those two years that he had Demar Derozan because he's he's playing with a bit of a swagger. He's he's kind of got that. Yeah, he knows. He knows. He knows. Yeah. yeah. So uh, let's hope this team keeps trending in the right direction. Obviously, they're a couple players away from a potential playoff run. I don't think it obviously happens this season, but I mean, it could be pops last season. I mean, we'll see how it goes. But it's. uh, I mean, I I like the Spurs. I mean, they do things the right way. It's hard not to like the Spurs. Yeah. Take it all, Paul. Who's your Rain Man of the week? My Rain Man is Christian Wood of the Houston Rockets. My goodness, and Kevin Porter putting it up. We're only. Wood can get it. Now the Wood shoots for three. That's what you do. Got the, the nice duck getting going. And Wood back in goes base. Oh, no. No, he didn't. Iceman juke. Love to see this. Two hands. Grown man rebound. Two defenders in the face. My goodness. Kate throws it up. No. Christian Wood dumps it down. Wood tough. Euro step well defended by Okiki. Christian Wood has been putting up crazy numbers. So we talk about uh, teams that are having unexpected winning streaks. Right now, the Houston Rockets, who were widely projected to be among the worst teams in the league, and they're still in the tank zone, uh, are on a five-game winning streak. 
this week they were 4 and 0. Christian Wood missed one of those games with a bad ankle, but in the games he played, this is a typo. They were no, it's this for real. They were 3 and 0. He was put up 25.7 points a game, 17 rebounds. Come on. 2.3 assists and 2.0 blocks. And I think what I'm really impressed with, I watched a ton of highlights, watched a bunch of game film. He's scoring at every level. I mean, he was banging in threes. He was not. He was like catching alley oops. He had like a couple of George Gervin mid range jumpers that, that they re- referenced, blocking shots all over the place. I mean, he is for a guy who has been in bad situations. He was in that terrible Detroit team, sure. and now he's on the terrible Houston team. His game's advancing, and he's developing his game. And he's a like he's a real live NBA problem as a center. I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't watched a Rockets game yet this season. Oh, I, can't, I can't bring myself to do it. But, but this guy's giving times. me a reason to. They're painful at times. But, I mean, him and uh, him and KPJ and Kevin Porter Jr., they're, they're live wires. Yeah, yeah. So on that winning streak, what teams were they playing? Because I, I haven't watched much of them. I've tuned in a little bit here or there. But you haven't pass. watched a Rockets game either. There's the two. Oh, no, I've watched a little, you know, league pass. I'm sitting here bored, the, and i watched like 30 seconds. The two, the, the two best wins in the streak was the, they beat the Bulls, and, uh, and they beat the Hornets. Uh, and then they beat up their, their, their fellow tankers. They beat the Thunder twice, and they beat the Magic. So, I mean, you know, you can, you know. But you got to beat who's in front of you, and they they take right. care of business. Well, New Orleans have, has won recently, which we didn't think we'd see, and right. yeah, well, I just talked about the Spurs being on a four and record yeah. last week. Stranger things are happening. Yeah, so I think you know, I was I was wondering. I mean, uh, some of some of what's happened, and is that uh, is that the Houston Rockets have changed the way they're playing, and they've gone away from two bigs, right. and they're giving Christian Wood the exclusive big man role, and he's flourishing. He's playing fantastically. So, and who knows? Maybe they'll trade him for more draft picks. In his rookie season, amazing fans around the league with his explosive jumping ability, the Denver Nuggets, David Thompson. Matamba embraces the ball and they're likely upset. One of the great upsets in NBA playoff history. With the third pick in the 2003 NBA draft, the Denver Nuggets select Carmelo Nikola Jokic is this year's most valuable player. Congratulations, Nikola. The all-time Denver Nuggets. So the Nuggets came into the ABA in 1967, and they're one of four teams to merge into the NBA in 1976. Paul, did you play for them? I didn't. They were slightly before my time, but I have studied them extensively on YouTube. I thought you retired before then. <laughs> I'm old, but not that old. They weren't always the Nuggets, right? No, they weren't the Nuggets. I mean, I'm a bit of an uh, ABA freak. I've read a lot, watched a, a lot of the documentaries. So uh, Denver Nuggets were actually the Denver Rockets. The Rockets? Before yeah. Houston? Uh, before. So they were the Denver Rockets for several years. And uh, as the, the, uh, the NBA-ABA merger was actually talked about for several years, and they realized that there weren't going to be two Rockets in the NBA. And they were one of the, the premier ABA franchises. They had great attendance. They'd hosted the All-Star game. They'd been to the finals. So they were in that small group of teams that had the potential to go to the NBA. So they preemptively changed their name to the Nuggets. And there's actually a bit of history on the Nuggets name because there was actually a Denver Nuggets in 1947 when the NBA first was founded. No shit. And they played just for a couple of years. But the, the Nuggets name actually had some history. So it wasn't just a, you know, a naming contest. Where yeah, people, they went back to. I went back to the back to the OG name, but there was another name, wasn't it? 
Uh, they were the Larks. That was ne- they never played a game as the Larks, but when they were instituted, they were called. The fuck the is a lark? It's like it's, a larrikin sort of thing. Is it's, it? Yeah, it's yeah. a mountain bird. Oh, there you go. It's a lark. Are you sure you didn't play for the Larks? <laughs> <laughs> not the Larks, not the Rockets, not the Nuggets. I didn't play for any of them. So they had some fun stuff happen. They played at uh, McNichols Arena back in the day, and uh, that hosted the first slam dunk contest. I think we had a little sound clip in there. And uh, Dr. J won that, beating uh, George Gervin, Artis Gilmore, uh, David Thompson. And Was that the rock dunk? The, the He did the first foul line dunk. Oh, that yeah. was the foul the line. Yeah, he, the, the first free throw uh, line. The dunk. first, maybe the only. Oh, uh, he was the but first. Was he behind the foul line? Uh, his, no, foot, his, his foot was foot big was enough. It was, it was on the line. Everyone's on the line. Everyone's I think Zach line. Levine was the only one that wasn't. Yeah. Somebody was like a foot and a half over the line. Uh, sure, that was Sean uh, Camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, a few, there's a few bad Scotty ones. Pippen's <laughs> tried to do it. Yeah. yeah. It's so in his book. If, if, you, if you haven't done it in practice, don't try it in front yeah. of 30,000 people. <laughs> Who was there? There was a guy uh, like James White or something who's this legendary dunk guy yeah. that they brought in, and he tried to do the free throw line dunk, and it was a disaster. Right, it, right. Was, it was an embarrassment. But, hey, on to better things. But the Denver Nuggets were one of four teams. Can anyone tell me the other three that came out of the ABA into the NBA? Oh, uh, Were the Spurs one of them? The Spurs were one. I, I remember that from before, story time with Paul. This is before my time. The other ones were... The Nets and the Pacers. The New York Nets. The New York Nets. Right, okay. Also the New gotcha. Jersey Nets and the Brooklyn Nets. Right. Same franchise. Okay. So uh, they were, the funny thing is I actually consider the Nuggets to be the last ABA team because even when they came into the NBA, their coach, Doug Moe, who played for the Nuggets in the ABA, was really proud that he never started playing NBA ball. They always played wide open, high score in ABA ball. And that stuck around for a while. You know, if you're a member like a... Like Michael Adams, like jacking up threes. We don't like remember Fat Paul. Lever. You don't remember that? I remember yeah. Fat Lever. He was remember Fat uh, like Lever. Triple fat double. Lever, I remember. He's, yeah. He's good. So it's the, interesting because this is one of those teams that came into the NBA and they weren't shitty. Yeah, they, they weren't, weren't shitty. They weren't awful. No, they were pretty good for it. They, they stayed consistent, but they, they were quite proudly played wide open, high scoring ABA ball for years and years and years. Let's so. talk about the 80s. How were the 80s for the Nuggets? The 80s were weird. Were, they were still scoring a lot of points. In fact, one of the trivia pieces about the Denver Nuggets is they were involved in the highest scoring NBA game in history against Isaiah Thomas and the Detroit Pistons. Damn. Final score. Guesses, anyone? Uh, 186 to 184. Oh, you're reading, you're reading from the notes. <laughs> no, nah, mate, I remember that. I was there. So, At least some, there wasn't a 73-point so difference. Triple, triple overtime game. Some crazy 186 to 184. Crazy stats. Uh, the score was... In it, regular time? Triple overtime. Triple, triple overtime. overtime. But okay. Having said that, it was 74-74 at halftime. So it was on its way at halftime. Okay. But that also means that... Well, not even. The second half was money. Yeah. yeah, so each team scored over 100 points after halftime. Wow. Uh, four different players scored over 40 points. Uh, the Pistons shot 60 free throws. The Nuggets shot 57. They shot a combined 251 field goal attempts. <laughs> I mean, it was just re- no gunning, like gunning all the time. And there were nearly 100 assists. 93 assists were thrown out. 93 assists. 93 assists. 93 assists matches uh, how many points the bench scored. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Well, I'll tell you what about. So, and I would recommend it. it's a totally different style of basketball, but there are short, short versions of it on, on YouTube. If you could find this game, go look at it. It's crazy. My introduction to the Nuggets was the Kebi Matumbo. The block. The block. That was me too. The yeah. block. Well, also him the hold the ball. When they beat the Sonics, cry, just hold it. Cry, going crazy, right? Yeah. He was kind of holding it up like uh, yeah. was it, the Lion King, right? Yeah, like, this King. is mine. <laughs> I'm taking the game ball home, and Sean Kemp 
Uh, no, not, that was the first time a number eight seed uh, beat a number one yeah, seed in the NBA. That playoffs. was crazy. Yeah, that was nuts. Because they was, were down two nothing. Yeah, that was ninety four, and yeah. like that was my introduction to basketball. And like, look at that team there. We got like Robert Pack, Lafonso Ellis. Lafonso remember Ellis? Yeah. yeah, we'll get into that a little bit later on. But that was a good Ma- team. Mahmoud Abdurrahouf. Yeah, yeah. Chris, Chris Jackson. Jackson. Chris Jackson. Chris Jackson. For, former, <laughs> former, uh, former Grizzly. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, I, I, without Chris Jackson, there is no Steph Curry. We'll save that to another episode. But I would going. say without Del Curry, there's no Steph Curry. <laughs> <laughs> plus, True. Plus one other. <laughs> but yeah, so they were they were good in the '90s. There were some great players, some great teams. I think probably the next moment that people think about when they think about the Nuggets is they think Melo coming in in Carmel. 2003. Yeah, oh three that draft class. That draft class. LeBron and, and D Wade. And that yeah. was crazy. You know, and so he came in, and all of a sudden that team was relevant. They were in the playoffs every year. They were winning. But they were in the playoffs they, every they year. Kinda got a, they kind of got a new identity that year with the powder blue jerseys. Remember oh, the shiny, yeah. glimmery jerseys? Yeah, with the gold mountain on them. Everybody had cornrows. Tattoos became a thing. Yeah, and uh, they had Iverson came and played for that team. That was a little bit later. Little, but a few they, years they, later, Bill played for that team. Those were some fun teams, man. Yeah. JR, let's not forget about your yeah. boy JR. Yeah. And Luke. the fights versus the Knicks. And Kenyon yeah. Martin was on yeah, that team. Kenyon Martin. Yeah. It was kind of like the Nets 2.0. Remember? Because the Nets were they were pretty thuggish team. And then all of a sudden, the like, Nuggets were, yeah. were a squad. But in the those nug- powder blues, it was tough to take them The Nuggets. The Nuggets. Yeah. Were, what you doing, powder blue? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a fun ass team. Not but a lot of winning. Not, not, no, I mean, not a lot of success. There were some wins. Not, but. Playoffs every year, good records. I mean, putting up points. But uh, it took until Bullops came into town until they actually got out of the first round. That's right. Yeah. And, and then, Billis is from Denver. Yeah, 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 he played at Colorado. Home, hometown boy. And it was the second stint because he, he got drafted by them yeah. Yeah, initially and then got traded away and then bounced around Toronto, Boston. Yeah, it took him a while to figure out how to, how to win. Yeah, so did he come in? He came back after after Detroit. After Detroit. So and he was supposed he to be the, the guy winning. that would bring the winning attitude. Right, which see. he did. Yeah. Ish. It helped. It didn't translate into any success. No, I mean, and it was different then because players were actually locked in under contract for longer. So it took okay. about seven years before Mello was looking at the door and thinking about going to New York, which is what he wanted. Right. And then uh, it was a jury who was uh, the GM who absolutely fleeced the, the, the Knicks on that. Yeah, if that I, was if I remember maybe correctly. one of the biggest fleeces. And it was the dumbest thing because if, if he'd have waited until he was a free agent in the offseason, it wouldn't have cost the team anything. For and nothing. instead, in a classic Knicks move, they totally sold their future out, gave <laughs> everything, all their everything, assets everything. to get a guy they could have just signed in the offseason. Damn. The but patience. Yeah, bloody th- Dolan, right? I think, I think that's when the, the legend of Masai Ujiri started because people were like, man, he robbed their ass. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so then so, after that. It's a, da- it's a little a, bit of a downtime. A lot of mediocrity. A lot of mediocrity. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of 40, 30 wing seasons. Yeah. And then and fast then forward to 2015. During the 2015 draft, while the TV was a, away on a taco commercial. <laughs> <laughs> the, the ticker at the bottom said 41, 41st pick is up with the Denver Nuggets, and they select Nikola Jokic, power forward from Serbia. Wow. He never actually broadcast his uh, the announcement of the 41st pick. I, I took my uh, missus to a Serbian restaurant last, uh, not last night, the night before, and there's a big picture. Of uh, him, of course. Yeah, of course, of course. He's watching me have a piss. That was amazing. <laughs> it's the biggest thing to come out of Serbia, <laughs> you know. And they, they, except for his brothers, yeah. yeah, they drafted really well. I mean, they got Jamal Murray at like I think he was seventh pick in that draft yep. or something. You yep. know, they also traded smartly because at the time they had uh, Nurkic on the team, so they had the two giant. Uh, the, they didn't need both of them. Didn't need, you only need one of those guys? That's right. You know, and so we, we are now. I mean, that they were before the injury last year. Where they, they trade him back, back to Serbia? Oh no, Portland. Portland. <laughs> Same thing. 
They traded him to the Wild West. <laughs> but uh, so as they as they came out of that, I mean, last year after the moves they made, they they were the best team in the NBA for they a twenty were. game stretch. They were, and then Jamal Jamal did his knee, and then lo and behold, Jokic wins the MVP. You know, but they've got these guys under contract, so you know, health willing. You know, if they get MPJ back and healthy, you know, if, if they can, you know, I don't think he's going to come you, back. You can't say back well, and healthy in the same sentence. No, with his back, MPJ. Yeah. yeah. I just double, I just doubled down on back jokes. I don't think he's going <laughs> to yeah, come back healthy. I think. So he, I, think, I, think I, I will say this team has a bright future. You know, their guys are in the in the right age. They've got them locked up for the foreseeable future, yeah. and it, health is going to be the issue because they have two out of their core four. Yeah, they need you know, a little bit of luck. Well, they've got them locked up. They lost some key defenders yeah. though. They lo- they lost Jeremy Grant. Mm-hmm. They lost uh, who am I thinking? Craig. Yeah, Tory Craig. Tory Craig was a was a big piece off their bench. Yeah. So I don't think they're a better team this season than they are last season, but you're right. They do have a bright future so long as they have a Nikola. You Jokic. know, and the, the thing about the NBA, and we'll, we're, we're having a digression here, is that if you lock up your core and the contracts make sense, you can get pieces in and around because sure. there are guys who are going to come and play with them. Yeah. And right now, I think guys would want to play with that core if it's, if it's healthy. Yeah, look, they got Gordon last year from, yeah. from Orlando. And, and he, he signed, another, he signed, he signed an another contract. So, yeah, no, future's bright. Yeah, future's they're, bright. Quiet, they're quietly doing things. The only yeah. thing, anytime you hear him is if someone's had an injury. Yeah. But let's get on to our all-time starting five for the Denver Nuggets. Let's do it. Let's do it. At point guard, we have Fat Lever. Lafayette. Lafayette Lever. Yeah. Uh, six seasons, a two-time all-star, a scoring machine, rebound machine for a point guard. He had 43 triple-doubles playing for them. He was the original triple-double machine. He was the man. It, yeah. You yeah. mean like you, you kind of th- think of Alvin Robertson and you think of, of, of Magic Jordan. This guy's way up on the list with 43. For a point guard. For a yeah. point guard. Initially, I had, I mean, this describes my age. I, I had Chauncey in here because mm-hmm. I was looking for other point guards. Ty Lawson, Andre Miller, not even close. And then I, you know, I had I had Billups slotted in there. And then I had to go back and I looked up. I said, who the fuck is this Fats Lever guy? And yeah. I, and he was thick. He was built like a football player. That guy deed up too, like a brick shit house. Yeah, I mean, hence averaging like nine rebounds a season, most a game most seasons. He was a player. Yeah, yeah, no for doubt. sure. At shooting guard, we have David Thompson. Pretty, David, pretty this guy, easy. The Skywalker. The Skywalker. I mean, he's the guy that, uh, if you don't know, he's the guy that Michael Jordan credits with being his biggest influence as a player. Is that right? Yeah, he went to NC State. He was a North Carolina guy. He was just out, o- o- enough older than, than Jordan that, that he was his role model. That so makes he said that, uh, that he was the guy who he looked up to and wanted to emulate in his playing. Career 50% field goals with the Nuggets. That's He was like a 6'4", small forward. He, he, was a, he was a weird... We've got him listed as a shooting guard, but he played a lot at the small forward because he had a 44-inch vertical, and he would just go in and dunk on, on people... And he was always in and around the hoop. Hence, Hell of a player. Hence the Skywalker. Yeah. And then, of course, he had to have the double issues that people ran into in basketball in the 70s and the 80s. He had his knees and cocaine interrupted with his career. He, had, <laughs> he, had, he spent a little bit of time on the sidelines. He spent a little time doing lines on the <laughs> sidelines. <laughs> he probably should put the cocaine on his knees, and it would have made everything better. This is before David Stern came in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He it off. Back in the Killed it off. Killed it off. All right. At small forward, we have Alex English. This is our easiest pick. Oh, there is only one. There can be only one. I mean, one of the smoothest scores in the history of the game. I mean, just looked effortless. I mean, he's. let's have a look at some of what he did. 11 seasons there, eight all-star games. He is the career leader in points uh, points per game, assists, games, minutes played, field goals, field goals attempts, offensive rebounds, 25.9 points per game as a nugget, 5.6 rebounds. 4.4 assists per game. That's average. Long. That's average. Yeah, like, 25.9. I think he had a season he dropped 34. Yeah, 
a just game? like an effortless score. I mean, he was he was kind of one of those. He was like the George Gervin skinny type mm-hmm. that didn't look like he was moving fast, but he got anywhere he wanted to go and had like a silky jumper. Yeah, he was a lock for us. Mm-hmm. At power forward, we have Carmelo Anthony. Who else is it going to be? Yeah, what is he ninth in scoring? Eighth in scoring? Is about, He's about to pass Shaq, which is crazy. Yeah, most prolific scorer of all time, Shaquille O'Neal, and look at Melo's going to pass him. Should have done a little less rapping and a little more uh, training. Yeah, I mean, we can't say enough good things about Carmelo Anthony. He, only a four-time All Star with the Nuggets, um, but career averages of twenty-four and a half a game, over twenty-four and a half a game at thirty-six minutes per game. Like he was Mister Automatic for this team. I think also we talk about what guys meant to franchises coming out of the nineties drafting that he made that that team relevant that like they yeah. were there's still guys walking around east vancouver wearing those janky ass like blue jerseys you know <laughs> <laughs> like he put their their color jerseys everywhere yeah. you know so it, it was as much as the performance which was excellent he was a he was always like a top five mvp vote he was like getting those votes scoring leader and stuff but but it was just putting that the franchise like bit front of a center in the league bit of a trendsetter as well you know i mean he came out of syracuse with the cornrows mm-hmm. and the tattoos early on and he was in the LeBron draft, I remember draft day. Those suits. You go back and look oh. at those suits and shake your head, man. You're paying for a two thousand dollars suit. Are you snitching on a suit? That's what you're snitching. I'm not snitching on <laughs> it. I'm just saying if you're gonna spend two thousand dollars on a suit and you got the back of the legs dragging on the ground like that, it was cool then. They were baggy. They got the <laughs> six buttons. It looked like New Jack City. Six buttons. Two thousand three, <laughs> man. I just remember lots of buttons. Lots of buttons. Yeah. Yeah. At center, we have. Nikola Jokic. We've said a lot about him. I mean, the guy is might be the best passer in the league of anyone. Of anyone, he's, yeah. He, he's certainly the best passer, big man passer ever. in history. Ever, ever, ever. You know, he's doing things at a level that, that centers have not, that we have never seen before. So Maybe one of the most exciting centers to ever play in an all-star game. Yeah. I mean, normally that's a that's a bum position for a center at an all-star game. But well, Nikola goes in there and he changes the game. He he's just tries crazy stuff that he gets in trouble for. Wouldn't you love playing with him if you're an NBA oh, player? man. Like, having your center be able to pass like that, he's got toughness. He can do it on defense as well. Yeah. Like, he's got to be one of the most favorite players to play with. But who wants to go to Denver? You better keep your head up because if, if your eyes aren't open, the ball's going to smack you. Yeah, you're you getting a ball on the forehead, <laughs> no doubt. But I also want a ton of respect for the guy because we there's been jokes about his body shape and this his fitness but if you look every single year he's gotten he's gotten better he's and he's also better. like he's i mean thinner, i think, I think he's gotten thinner i mean i think it's you don't get like massive he's transitions gotten year to year mm-hmm. but you can see that he's 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 stuck at it he's consistent you know i mean he's never going to be look like dwight howard no but he's kind of making those incremental jumps that, and i think that that just speaks to his his love of the game and his attitude seven seasons in the league maybe something to worry about that body breaking down i mean that is a, a, a rigorous it's, it's a bloody tank yeah he has. He's, he's a tank yeah but as we've seen in the past, you know, tanks break down. Yeah. And uh, I, I hope for, for Denver's I mean, sake, for, for the, the league's sake. The nice thing is he's not jumping real high, so he's, he's not having a lot of impact that way. very, very true. <laughs> All right, let's get to the bench. We have Dan Issel coming off the bench. Uh, I think as the old man in the room, i got to speak to Dan Please Issel. do, yeah. No, Dan Issel was, uh, again, he was kind of early days of watching NBA for me. He was a, a real crafty, skilled center, not the biggest guy. You know, think of, uh, I can't even reference guys with them. You know, the Dave Cowens, like sure. the, the Bill Walton kind of guys, but he had a better offensive game than Bill Walton. Uh, great around the high post, always putting up numbers. Great leader, really well-respected. Yeah, real, Dan Essel was a hell of a player. Real blue collar. Yeah, for sure. Hard work. Lunch bucket. <laughs> also off the bench, we have the Kembi Matumbo. Tough one. Tough tough to have him on the bench. I mean, he was such a, such a 
huge, not not just in stature, but a huge part of this organization when he was drafted. Um, comes from the from the Dave, David Thompson. Yeah, yeah. John Thompson, the, sorry, George, George, John George, Thompson, George the Georgetown Town. Center. Factory. I thought you were going to say he's doing cocaine or something. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't think Dikembe's. I don't think Dikembe's ever seen I a think line. He's a religious life. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heavily religious. But he only played five seasons, yeah. and and that's what I think. That's what keeps him on the bench for us. He was a three-time All Star in that time, but he led the team. He still leads the team in rebounds per game, blocks per game, career averages twelve point nine, almost thirteen points per game, twelve point three rebounds, and almost four blocks per game as well. He was iconic in his time there. Yeah. And I think that, like, as much as anything, it's a no, no, no celebration with right, the finger wag. Right. You know, that's that, where that's where it started. That's yeah. where it started. I yeah. mean, he had, and that that's just he had he had some style, had some swashbuckle. He did. And the good thing about looking at this roster that we've made here, the last couple of teams that we've done, it's all three seasons or two seasons mm-hmm. they've played. Well, look at the minimum here is five at Dikembe. That's why he's on the bench. But we've got six seasons, eleven Alex seasons, English eight seasons. seasons. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. we're starting to get into the nitty gritty here. And what that speaks to, though, is that the Nuggets are a respected franchise, and they haven't won titles. They their only finals appearance was when they were in the ABA, and they right. lost to Dr. J in six games. But it speaks to the they, they are a well respected franchise with a, a history of success. Jesse, who's your other player that you have a fond memory of? I had a couple with this team. Um, the first player that comes to mind for me was Antonio McDice. Oh, yeah. Career cut short, obviously, but he did spend six seasons in Denver. And you want to talk about jumping out of the gym. For the young listeners, please go back and look up Antonio McDice in Dice. Like he would, he was banging on. I mean, for a six everybody. nine guy, he was jumping out of the building. And he was, he was big. He was strong too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, eight Busting and a half, people. eight and a half rebounds a game. 17, 17 points per game. He was, he was a tank until he, until he did a yeah, knee, knees, terrible knees knee injury. Yeah. yeah, yeah, terrible. He's one of those guys. You know, you got too much pop. We've talked about this yeah. coming to trend. You got too much bounce, and uh, unfortunately. You know, he didn't. He didn't die out. He uh, had some good years in Detroit, Detroit yeah. Phoenix York, for a little bit. Around, bounced yeah. around, but uh, Antonio McDice was somebody that was yeah, uh, that guy could play. Yeah, no doubt. I got a guy. You got, oh, you got a Mike, guy, Michael Adams. Ooh, okay. okay, all right. Here's a little guy. Yeah, a little guy, a little five foot nine, but probably listed at five ten, but probably more like five nine. And he was uh, he was the original three point jacker. Right, that guy would, was just shooting threes. And this was back during their high scoring era. I think they played him alongside Fat Lever for a while because okay. that way Fat Lever at six three would kind of take the tougher defensive matchup. Yep. But uh, but Michael Adams, I mean, he was a jitterbug. He was fast. He was driving the tempo they were scoring 140 points a game some nights he just loved getting those threes a fun guy to watch nice well i've got a couple i've got the 93 94 denver nuggets i just like that team i got like uh you can't have the whole team all right you so pack. let me choose robert pack and lafonso ellis the pack ah Pac-Man was yeah. so quick up and down the court it's six foot one and he used to get up there i used to love like it's funny that they knock the sonics out one versus eight but like every game he played against the Sonics, he had a highlight. Right. Check him out. Um, Lafonso Ellis, another one. Just Notre a highlight Dame. reel. Good guy. Yeah. Like he never made that 2010, but he's on the cusp a couple of seasons. Injuries got him out of the league. But he, he was one that I hoped to be a great one day, but never made it. Yeah, I like Lafonso a lot. If you're taking two, I'm going to take two. I, I'd be remiss not to talk about Marcus Camby. Because yeah. that man jump-started his career mm, when yeah. he got to Denver. Uh, a career triple-double for Marcus Camby. After the Raptors, I believe he was traded. Was it a trade? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a trade to to Denver. And he was a big reason why that team had playoff success. And yeah, Marcus he was the defensive anchor for that team. Yeah, he really was. And, uh, you know, obviously went on to have some great years with New York after. Mm-hmm. But I think this is this is what established Marcus Camby as, as a, a real rim defender was with Denver. Mm-hmm. 
A lot yeah. of fun players in that group, man. It's just a fun team, a fun yeah. organization. The branding's always been a lot of been a lot interesting, but mm-hmm. but fun. Um, I don't know if you guys have been to Denver. I've been to Denver. Yeah, it's a fun town. It's a fun place to check out a basketball game. Cool organization. Well, Great. I'm glad we had them this week because I almost quit off the Clippers. Yeah, I was, was going to say that was, was a tough. tough. Time. Yeah, tough and it. thanks for bearing with us again, everybody. We know this has been tough. It's it's getting better. Um, you guys got a coach? I got a coach in mind. A Doug Moe. No, I don't got Doug Moe. I got Doug Moe. I got George Carl. Oh, yeah. He's synonymous with George Carl. Yeah. Yeah. We bring out the Sonics again. He's synonymous with the Sonics as well. He's synonymous with a lot of teams. It's an interesting thing. Uh, Because he made them win. He did. He did. Nine seasons. Uh, Guess what his record was? He was 423 and 257 in nine seasons. Like 2012, 2013 coach of the year. But a 622 it's win percentage. About good teams. 622 win percentage. They were good. T- but what's their uh, playoff performance? They got made out of the first round once. Oh, that's disappointing. Was it just the first round? Yeah, there was a, their first rounders. They were they were stuck in that Tracy McGrady trap. Oh, they were stuck in that Western Conference, they're just stuck. like just like KG. They were playing. They were playing. They were playing uh, the Lakers. They were playing San Sacramento. Antonio, the good Sacramento team yep. with Vladi Divac and Chris Weber. Yeah, that was that was a thresher. That was a, a bloodbath. Sometimes. There you go. Well, you listen to our podcast, but you should follow us on social media as well. You can find us at The Raining Three on Instagram and Facebook and Raining Three on Twitter. We got 100 followers Woo! on Instagram. Excited. Yeah. Well, that's our show for this week. Make sure you tune in next week. We're going to do the all time for the Indiana Pacers. We're going to touch base with our rookies when we feature the freshmen. And we have our games of the week. We'll see you then. Have a good week, y'all. Take care. Can I kick it? Yes, you can. 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 Well, I'm gone. Can I kick it to all the people who can quest like a tribe does? Before this, did you really know what I was? Comprehend to the track force. Why? Cause getting mentions on the tip of the vibe buzz. Rock and roll to the beat of the funk fuzz. Wipe your feet really good on the rhythm rug. If you feel the urge to freak, do the jitterbug. Come and spread your arms if you really need a hug. Afrocentric living is a big shrug. A life filled with, that's what I love. A lower plateau is what we're above. If you diss us, we won't even think of. We'll nip of the doggy, give a big shove. This rhythm really fits like a snug glove. Like a box of positives, it's a plus love. As the trial flies high like a dove.
tribe of the game with the player as you inhale like a breath of fresh air. Yeah.